Do 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 Kate Mary! You binge watch your average Netflix show and you just want to talk to someone about it. We need to talk to someone about Louie. We need to talk to someone about Louie. Welcome to Healer Christmas, Mary Bolling. Come on down. Kate McMahon. Can you believe it? It's our second Healer family Christmas. No, we're not the newbie people anymore. We're leaving that to Bartleby. And haven't the pups grown in the last 12 months, I have to say? Like there is so much I want to talk to you about today, Mary, but... Let's just start with one of the very first things we see, and that is Socks sitting on the couch. And she looks so much bigger and older this year compared to Veranda Santa. <laughs> you might also almost say she's looking less like a puppy and more like a, I don't know if human's the right word, but definitely more like the rest of the healers. I know. She's no longer on all fours. Um, she is walking and talking. Ah, it's right my pizza! Snuggling with Nana. It's beautiful. So I'm guessing Socks was one. Uh, Bandit said that pretty clearly in Veranda Santa, so maybe Socks is two at this particular Christmas. Um yeah, and we're all that little bit older and wiser. <laughs> Are we what? Oh, world's best chef. Thanks, Mum. Hey, I thought I was the world's best chef. <laughs> oh, you both are. Lovely as well. Um, last year we uh, got to see the Christmas spirit at um, the Healer House, that is the Bandit and Chili Healer House. Um, pretty cool to finally lay eyes on the inside of Stripe and Trixie's house. And, um, yeah, nice to know it gets shared around as well. Um, cause as this episode's gonna show, uh, Christmas, hosting Christmas can put a fair bit of stress on. Yeah, their house is pretty fancy, I have to say. And, Mary, I love this opening scene as well for the fact that it just reminds me of almost every single family Christmas I think I've ever been to. Someone has a perfume gift set. Someone has a Lynx Africa box set, which (laughs) for some reason there's always that thing. There's novelty aprons. It's all happening. Okay, Kate, I need to know. So the the Lynx Africa gift set, um, who has – where is this coming from? Because we we see Nana give both Bandit and Stripe their gifts. They get the aprons, um, which doesn't leave many options. Is it Chili giving it to Stripe? Is it Trixie thinking that's what Bandit wants? Um, or I guess one of the boys could be giving it to the other one. Um, Do you think it's an ironic Yeah, this, this is a question that needs answering in my head straight up in this episode. You know, you know what it screamed to me, Mary? It screamed to me the Christmas Day stall at the local primary school. Um, <laughs> did you ever have that where they'd like have a little stall and like every present was $5 or something and all the kids would oh. take some money and buy a little Christmas present for? Yeah. They were usually homemade um, at the schools I was frequenting. Was your school getting fancier with their Lynx Africa gift sets falling off the back of a truck? Well, no, I didn't have lift. It was like sewing kits and um, tiny little photo frames that would hold half a photo. Like it was stuff that probably fell off the back of a $2 shop truck. That does sound familiar, but look, honestly, Lynx Africa only reminds me of one thing, and that is teenage boy locker rooms and the stench associated. And, yeah, to be honest, I I don't need to go there. (laughs) It's Christmas. (laughs) That one's for Nana from Bandit. This is from Dad. Oh, thanks, Bandy. No worries, Mum. But we do see a lot of presents in this first scene that I guess are a chance for viewers to make a connection to their own Christmas. Um, The perfume set, like you said, uh, socks, uh, as in not the puppy but actual socks, um, always tend to turn up Christmas morning. Um, Nana's getting a novelty T-shirt. Pool toys seem to be 
a real Christmas perennial here in um, Christmas in summer in Australia. Um, and Kate, did you see a couple of moonlight unicorns lying around as well? And one of them was Pendragon. Um, I want to sneak in an early we know that now, actually, Mary, because we've had a lot of correspondence. Oh, so much. Um, telling us that Pendragon is actually um, uh, King Arthur's surname from Camelot days. Um, so, and it means son of the dragon. So there we go. I had, I need to clearly refresh myself on um, English Gaelic history. Um, yeah. You say history, Kate, but I don't even know. Is King Arthur history? Did that happen? Okay. <laughs> My entire knowledge of that uh legend whatever it was comes from disney's sword in the stone and it didn't really cover off on reality or otherwise so help me out all right so i'm gonna just say it's all a bit blurry because we lived in devon for for a while in britain and um tintagel castle is meant to be where all that stuff took place like knights of the round table king arthur guinevere um and that's sort of just down the road, so you can go there. Um, but, you know, but like, I don't know. I think legend sort of becomes myth eventually, um, much like Bartleby's Christmas, I'm sure, will descend <laughs> from, um, you know, Absolutely, yeah. a, a happy story he will retell in, in Christmas that's to come. To Bluey from Mum and Dad. Oh, it's for me. Thanks, Mum and Dad. Ooh. Bartleby. Um, Mary, before we get on to Bartleby, I do need to know, with the Bolling family, are you a one present at a time opening family? Like does everyone watch one person open or are you multiple presents oh. at a time? We used to be. Uh, look, the, you know, as families kind of grow mm-hmm. and I think the more kids there are, the longer that takes as well as in little kids. So I think kind of a nod to efficiency we uh we might be multiple present openers yeah. these days i'm i'm totally with you so my uh my side of the family when we see them it's always one at a time because that's just how it has been since the beginning of my life but tim's family we actually had to make the shift a few years back because it was taking like four hours to unwrap presents one at a time <laughs> and the kids were getting angry and, yeah, I'm glad to say that now there's like lots of small kids in the family. We've definitely shortened the run time to about an hour from start to finish. I think that's it. All done. Christmas sweat! Yeah! Okay, so still in the room where presents are happening, um, a few things that have kind of raised eyebrows from this episode, Kate, um, the roaring fireplace, uh, what what did you make of that? This is an Australian bogan classic. It is the picture <laughs> of the fireplace on the TV. So, um, you know, like it's the YouTube video. I think there's one that goes for a couple of hours and you can like stream it onto your television to make it look like a fireplace. I think it's genius because... You know, we do have hot Christmases. No one wants an actual fire, although it's nice to have the feeling of fire. Um, but, yeah, the oscillating fan on one side of the room and the fake fire on the other, <laughs> genius, I say, genius. Okay, so I'm prepared to accept the fake fireplace on the TV, but I've got to say the oscillating fan kind of had me a bit perplexed. We are finally seeing the inside of... Uh, Trixie and Stripe's place. Uh, we know the pool's out the back. We know they've got their fancy Bali villa. We know they jet off to Bali on holidays. Um, are you seriously telling me they don't have aircon in their house? Like, what is this fan about? But isn't this a thing? Like, I, you will know more about this because you lived up there for a period of time. But my understanding is that Queenslanders are very strange and even though they're in one of the hottest parts of the country, like heating and cooling options are few and far between. Um, <laughs> look, no, that look, this is a new house. Uh, air conditioning technology has been around for a while. I feel like uh, <laughs> Stripe and Tricks would be I'm all glad. over that. Maybe 
I mean, it does get very hot with a lot of people in the room, though. That's all I'm thinking. Maybe they need the extra. Yeah, I really felt like there'd be a more centralised solution in the perfect life of Stripe and Tricks. <laughs> Can't believe Ludo hasn't made this more explicit within the episode, to be honest. This, you know. <laughs> well, one thing we actually do have an answer to, Mary, is um, Bartleby's name. Because you and I were taking very different paths um, on what Bartleby's name could be inspired by. <laughs> you, you continue this story because I, I liked where your thinking was on this. Okay, so the only... Bartleby I'd ever crossed mm-hmm. paths with was from Kevin Smith's film Dogma. Dog, dogma. I like what you're doing here. Yep. yep. Um, which is an epic, uh, probably early 2000s um, takedown of Christianity is probably the the best way to put it in that um, in that iconic, uh, pretty bawdy Kevin Smith style. Um, and Bartleby was one of the fallen angels in the story um the not Matt Damon one (laughs) um Ben Affleck Affleck. yes so he's played by Ben Affleck and there's a pretty elaborate plot about angels uh rising up and being kicked out of heaven and then wandering the earth and uh, trying to get back into heaven so so we're on kind of Christmas-ish territory, I suppose. I thought that, you know, maybe the the message of Christmas Swim about accepting family could be about angels getting back into heaven possibly, but um, things don't actually end that well for Bartleby in Dogma, so it didn't quite get there. I don't know who the equivalent of the Alanis Morissette playing God character would be. Long story short, uh, it wasn't really working for me. Where did where did you get to, Kate? Well, so I Wikipedia'd it because that's how I get all my knowledge <laughs> these days. Um, um, and it came up with Bartleby the Scrivener, which is a um, a short story by Herman Melville, uh-huh. and that was Moby um, Dick guy. Published in Putnam's Magazine, apparently in like 1853. It's about a Wall Street lawyer who um, hires a new clerk. Um, and this new clerk, Bartleby, is a really impressive hard worker. But then all of a sudden just says, oh, I would prefer not to, whenever he's asked to do anything. So then he's not doing anything um, and it gets to the point where they all have to move out of the office because Bartleby's just sitting there the whole time doing nothing, saying nothing, very odd. Anyway, um, and uh, the the end, it, it's like your typical um, terrible story in that in the, the, the plot, um, yeah, descends into this sort of weird state where um, the protagonist is trying to help his clerk to come out of whatever funk he's in and he just keeps saying, I would prefer not to until he dies. <laughs> right. So It's a, uh, yeah, I'd prefer not to. Very relatable if you've got a two, three, four-year-old possibly. Um, I don't get told it quite so politely though. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's very odd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to make it work with the theme of Christmas Swim in the context of, you know, he's not talking, um, maybe he's hardworking at the start and then it all sort of falls <laughs> apart sort of thing. But, no, again, I couldn't make it work. So I was very relieved when you went to the main source, I guess, of um, everything in the Blueyverse to find out more. <laughs> Well, Kate, we didn't bother to lay our half-baked theories on the creator <laughs> of Bluey, Joe Brum. Um, we just asked him outright and, um, yeah, that was lucky because he had a very simple answer, actually, that it was just a name that uh, the kids had been throwing around and in the games they were playing and it he liked it and it stuck and that was that. Let me introduce you to my family, Bartleby. They're your family now too. I should say he wasn't sure where the name was from, where the kids had gotten it. Uh, he actually said he was a bit scared to look. Um, but 
I couldn't resist Kate and I did have a dig around searching Bartleby <laughs> and uh, the source of where kids get all their information, uh, kids TV shows, <laughs> and think I m- may have found the source. Um True and the Rainbow Kingdom is an American animated um, series on Netflix that's been around for the past few years. And in that uh, series about the whimsical citizens of Rainbow Kingdom, um, True, the main character, has a best friend called Bartleby. And... um, Brace yourself, Kate. This this may not be the best thing to have discovered, but Bartleby is a cat. So, <laughs> oh, it's from such highs and then lows. Um, perhaps Joe cat. Brown knew that in his heart of hearts. Perhaps he was just kind of yeah trying to press down that information. I don't know what the healers make of that that they've accepted a uh, <laughs> uh, um, someone so closely associated with a cat into the family, but. There you have it. I, I think that solves the mystery of Bartleby. Oh, it could not have been better if you'd tried. Like, that was, that's spot on. Uncle Shy, this is Bartleby. G'day, Bartleby. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Hang on, Bartleby. I'm just getting blown towards the pool. So what is it? <laughs> I think the whole episode for me becomes from this moment forward of Bluey receiving Bartleby as her Christmas gift of, you know, memories of my own very first Christmas with someone else's family. And no doubt you've had a few yourself, Mayor. Um I mean, it's a perilous thing to navigate. You know, you you like someone and then all of a sudden you're at the house with all the family. Tell me about your first um, Christmas with the Whites. I don't think I even have a clear memory of it. Um, uh, Thinking of everything that came up in this episode, I don't remember anyone ever getting my name wrong. Um, (laughs) Don't remember getting licked, although that might have uh, happened to <laughs> people I'd brought into our family. Um, the big feeling at those big family events for me was just being across all the family history. You need to know to almost make yeah. sense of the conversation. <laughs> and yes. Luckily, yes, I have been in the family long enough now um, that that is starting to make sense. Uh, yeah, and I do a lot of translating still from my side. <laughs> well, there's, there's so many shortcuts, isn't there? Like there's so many mental shortcuts that people use just because they know each other and weird things happen that to anyone else just look completely ridiculous but then obviously once you're in that family fold, it all makes perfect sense and it's fine. Um First McMahon Christmas, uh, yeah, uh, I was uh, 22. I think it was my first, no, 23 maybe. I don't know. It was, it was early on and, um, yeah, I was the first serious girlfriend that any of the four McMahon boys had brought home for Christmas. Whoa. Uh, and Pressure. Yeah, I remember um, going from my family Christmas, which is very much mum making the turkey roast and we all sit down and then we watch Sound of Music and go look at Christmas lights or watch the carols on TV or quite stayed. Um, yeah, there were, there were four very drunk brothers dancing around and someone brought out this electronic monkey called Maxi Bobo <laughs> and it was like I don't even know where they got it from it was like a reject shop gorilla but like you pressed its foot and it did a little dance and for some reason this was the hit of Christmas wow yeah four guys like dancing around like this monkey and I'm just sitting in the corner going <laughs> what is going on <laughs> were you channeling Bartleby did you just want to get out of there I just um Bartleby's face throughout this episode was me at my first (laughs) week on Christmas and this is my cousin Socks Merry Christmas yeah (laughs) don't worry he does that to everyone actually there is a bit of that 
in this episode, I guess, the pressure yeah. to make Christmas perfect. Um, that that <laughs> moment between Trixie and Nana, the gravy moment. <laughs> oh, my God, so relatable. Oh, just so familiar that everyone has a different idea about what makes Christmas <laughs> Christmas and there is so much potential for clashing there. It's made a hundred times worse by Paul Kelly who has made gravy with his How to Make Gravy song just like the most central element of Christmas um, <laughs> in recent years. But, yeah, I've, I've watched this and I had to admit, oh, wow, I'm Nana. I am pretty determined to have particularly delicious uh, gravy at Christmas. <laughs> is that oh, bad? Really? See, I'm just like, yep, Aunt Trix, like just a few packets is fine. Like who can be bothered messing around with the tray and the drooping and uh, uh-huh. who can, obviously. Oh, Trix, I can do the gravy if you like. Oh, I'm fine, Chris. I've just got some packets. Oh, no, let me do a proper one. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it was just perfect. It just, it captured a little moment that I've never seen on TV before and I loved it. Um, you know, that's sort of that moment of like the, the kitchen power on Christmas. There's always like the the old school versus the new school and who wins in that fight. It's always uh, I do love Um, that the new school has the new tactics as well. So when Bluey comes into the kitchen uh, with Bartleby and his broken arm, uh, she can be straight to Nana. Oh, that is a job for Nana. And, yeah, shoes are on out of the kitchen. (laughs) There's so many political power plays involved. Oh, and should say uh, in that that. A heated yeah. uh, moment in the kitchen as well. Uh, long dog alert. So keep your, <laughs> if you're not sympathizing too much with Trixie as you watch that one, um, keep your eyes peeled for a long dog as well. And um, thank you to longtime correspondent Caroline for pointing that one out to us. Uh, Trixie, can I borrow a towel for Bartleby, please? Oh, Nana, would you be able to grab a towel for Bluey, please? Oh, sure. And politics does uh, come up in this episode as well. Um, Good time to, I guess, jump ahead to the moment when Stripe is both defending his reputation as a crackling um, chef, uh, read the apron, but also, uh, I guess, batting off. um, We don't get to hear what Bandit says, but uh, Stripe is pretty clearly defending um, his electoral choices in who he voted for, perhaps in the recent Queensland election, which we know the Healer family went off to vote in um, in the circus episode. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, just such a kind of um, a difference of ideology moment that uh, can crop up around the Christmas table and... <laughs> Uh, look, what can you say? Thank God for good crackling um, to save the moment there. And, yeah, I, I think oh, there might be a few families this year that are going to need a lot of good crackling on the uh, amidst the <laughs> Christmas spread. Yeah, but that's not why I voted for him. Oh, Stripe, it's crackling. Well, Mary, the episode is called Christmas Swim, so let's talk about the actual Christmas swim, a time in the pool. There's some great games going on, and we start off with Socks blowing um, her dad, Uncle Stripe, straight into the pool, which I quite like. Genius. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, and then that lick that sort of, you know, Bartleby's face just has that slightly concerned, but I'm still okay. It's all fine. And I really love um, actually how they've really subtly tweaked Bartleby's face throughout these sequences to sort of convey that sort of that deep unease that he's Yes. Um, oh. For an inanimate uh, doll, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, Muffin going to work, though, I have to say, <laughs> is my favourite game, I think, of the series. I just... She nails this. She's late for work. She's and and I I feel seen, Mary, <sighs> because 
<laughs> that is me every single morning when I'm normally back to work, <laughs> trying to get out the door. Bye, kids! <laughs> running for the tram. I'm sorry, I'm late for work. Mary's about to leave. Ah, I'm late. Ah, ah. And then when um, Bartleby tries to get in on the action with Bingo and she gets attacked by Crocodile Uncle Stripe and Muffin <laughs> literally jumps on this Uncle Stripe's back going, you're making oh, me so late good. for work. That is, that is such a mood. Like. <laughs> uh, Got to love a good game collab, I guess, maybe a game crossover uh, where, yeah, crocodiles meet the the late for work ferry. It's um, it's too beautiful. Oh, I loved it because, you know, anything that stops my tram on t- like getting into the city, yeah, I, I would totally want it. <laughs> Uh, you're jumping on crocodiles' backs too, Kate. Uh, yeah, I can picture oh, that actually. <laughs> you're making me late for work. Maybe we should go and meet my dad. Yeah. Dad's playing classic catches. Classic catches comes out next. Mary, I was reflecting. For our international um, viewers, maybe they're not familiar with this game. Is it a game that you had the pleasure of playing when you were growing up or even now? Um, Definitely catching balls as you jump into the pool. Like surely that's universal. But, um, yeah, we never had that kind of cricket connotation. Although, yes, I suspect you might have had it in Um, spades, Kate. I should sound so happy about it. (laughs) so uh if you can't beat them join them and um <laughs> tim's just peeking through the door <laughs> oh hi tim <laughs> so this is um McMahon, christmas treat for everyone he is the cricket expert in mm-hmm. uh, the team gotta be done camp Tim, can you explain to us what a classic catch is? I was tickled pink by this. The, <laughs> the, the classic catch is a segment that runs all throughout the Australian summer and has done for 40 years uh, where they replay over and over the best ca- catches of the summer in the cricket. And that usually were sponsored by Schweppes, which is a soft drink brand in Australia. And Richard ben- Richie Benno, who is the doyen of Australian commentary, used to always introduce the Schweppes Classic Catches so every kid <laughs> all summer would be playing Schweppes Classic Catches into the pool. So it's just they've nailed it. This is my childhood. Oh, so good. Did the can of tennis balls ever pop up at uh, your family Christmas, Tim, um, to facilitate uh, Schweppes Classic Catches or... Did you already have a sort of healer supply of tennis balls just around the house in the McMahon family? <laughs> no, no the, the, popping the new can of tennis balls was was a, tr- a Christmas treat and then you'd either play classic catches into the pool or you'd tape them up with electrical tape to um, bowl at each other and you know give each other bruises. <laughs> Bandit was reliving his childhood. It was brilliant. Merry Christmas, darling. You finally made it to the podcast. Yay! you got to keep your eye on the ball, mate. Oh, Bartleby, I'm so sorry Dad broke your arm. The episode does keep going back to uh, the classic catches game as well. Um, Bartleby gets involved, which is how he breaks his arm arm when bandit lands on him um but then we see nana um hanging up there with some airtime um and surely kate this has to be catch of the day um when chili takes a grab in her mouth and (laughs) in that moment just you know she is just such a beacon to every multitasking mom juggling a million things and yep catching a tennis ball in her mouth and yeah I reckon in that moment we we don't get to see Bandit's reaction but surely if if indeed he did see it there was a bit of yep that's that's why I love that girl and yeah that's why I love her too (laughs) She just leaps in the air and, like, the little sort of glint she gives is just 
perfect like gotcha it's like it's that sticky gecko-esque moment where she catches it at the end it's like yeah it's like it's like watching your partner do a perfect parallel park you know <laughs> like there's just it shouldn't matter but it does oh dearie me ah, no 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 what he's got a broken arm oh goodness me i had no idea sorry bumblebee okay where haven't we gone well i we need to talk about the descent for Bluey because Nana has um, taken Bartleby, roughed him up post having his arm broken by Dad and she's looking pretty sad about it and Bartleby is like, you know, she's imagining that he's saying to her, oh, I want to go home, um, which, you know, is never fun if you've got someone that's not enjoying your family to the point that they're like, let's just leave. Um, but then Uncle Rad and Aunt Frisky ringing up and saving the day. Aww. Now, the internet, I have to, I can I can say this without exaggerating at all. It lit up at the prospect that these two might be, what are your theories here, Mary? Are they together? Are they engaged? Are they married? Are they in Bali on their honeymoon? Like what's going on? Okay. I am categorically going to say they are a thing, but they're in under no circumstances are they, could they be married at this point? Because, Kate, that would jib us out of a wedding episode. <laughs> and exactly. I will not stand no, for that. I am, that I am, would just be too I'm right cool. behind you with that petition if they are married. Like, that is. Yeah, yeah. just. Uh, then, Divorce, you know, get it back together. Give us the big wedding we need. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, yeah, so I think the thing that I loved so much about this was that they are together. That was like a Christmas gift to all of us after a terrible 2020. Um, But I just loved that initial opening line where, like, Nana is rubbing her eyes going, oh, I wish you were here. And he, Uncle Rad saying, me too, mum. And he so does not wish he was there. Like, he, would, he, would he does look like he's got it pretty good. Uh. Why would you trade sitting in an infinity pool with a fancy drink and a beautiful dog in Frisky at your side compared to Christmas Madness? Oh, I wish you guys could be here. Yeah, me too, mum. Look what I got for Christmas, Uncle Rad. Wow, look at that. The internet really went off about this because it was referred to as Uncle Rad and Aunt Frisky. Now, you are Auntie Mary in our house, so I'm thinking that's the reason why Frisky is Auntie Frisky. But and Actually, know, you and I, Kate, um, haven't had a chance to talk double babysitter yet, which actually introduces both Frisky and Uncle Rad um, in this drop of season two. And in that double babysitter episode um, in the credits, it's Claudia O'Doherty who plays Aunt Frisky, oh, well, Frisky, and she is credited as as Aunt Frisky even in that first episode, which is – which is where she and Uncle Rad meet. So I think that's kind of a hint that being an Aunt Frisky kind of predates any relationship, although it could also be a hint that their uh, their love was always just written in the stars. <laughs> hey, Uncle Rad and Aunt Frisky are calling. And, hey, it's it's actually interesting because in America um, they haven't seen this latest drop that have been on ABC in Australia um, but they have just recently gotten um, a package that let them finally see from last year, Veranda Santa. Um, they got to see this episode, Christmas Swim, as well, and it was bundled up with Sleepy Time, which, oh, my gosh, that is that is a lot of emotion in uh, 21 minutes of viewing. Oh, my God, they are not going to know what hit them. Um but yeah, so they don't, they'll be seeing this episode without the background of uh, Double Babysitter, which lays a lot of groundwork uh, mm. for the relationship developing here. So hopefully um, mm. that those Christmas episodes landing in the States will mean that our US listeners who maybe are listening and just bearing with the spoilers and waiting for new episodes over there. 
um, are going to see them really soon and finally know what on earth we're talking about. (laughs) So, yeah, really hope we're going to see more of uh, Frisky and Rad and see that relationship unfold a bit more. But obviously in this episode, Frisky being at her first healer Christmas, even if <laughs> even if it's just one healer in uh, Bali, I guess one healer is still a whole lot of healer. Um, yeah, it, she does. She is kind of um, key to helping the plot along and relating with Bartleby in that moment that Bluey's getting down that Bartleby's really not coping with the healer family. Hey, where's Bluey? I'm sorry it's been a bit crazy, Bartleby. I hope you're still having a good time. And even apart from that plotline, I reckon there's going to be so many families this year who maybe are having more than usual numbers of Zoom sessions to other family members who can't be there this Christmas. Um because of the pandemic and um, for so many reasons. And, yeah, I'm just really include, glad they included that. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's something that, yeah, is normal and getting normaler and, yeah, just really nice to see it part of the Healer family. Absolutely. I think um, anything like that that normalises, you know, use of technology and stuff for kids is so great because, um, you know, even in our friendship circles, we've got so many friends who've got family members overseas and um, with lockdowns in different parts of the world. I think, you know, it's a it's a really practical, convenient way of making sure everyone stays safe and socially um, distanced. So, yeah. And isn't that line from Aunt Frisky just the, <laughs> just the line of the episode? And I think, yeah, goes so much, Kate, to what you and I were talking about, being that outsider looking in and, yeah, things, you know, things often look pretty weird from the inside, (laughs) let alone being on the outside. But, um, yeah, it just perfectly captures, yeah, the the unique weirdness of of the healer family, (laughs) of every family, I guess. Nice to meet you, Bartleby. I'm Frisky. I'm new to the Healer family as well. And just between you and me, they're a bit crazy. Hey! <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful moment and I think it, it really normalises as well for people that their family might be a bit loud at Christmas, which, yeah, I thought, and it was just beautiful. She reminded me of every single caring aunt who on Christmas Day manages to find you in that moment of going and go, and how are you really? You know, and you're just like, ooh, okay, here comes the emotional offload. Um, yeah. It was a beautiful moment. She And I think the thing that um, shone through is how much she really genuinely cares for Bluey as well. So that was really nice to see. But... Give them a chance. You'll see. Okay, where else? Should we should we do music, Kate? Well, um, so the first song sort of soundtracky bit that we hear is a mix, I guess, of the 12 days of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um I, I quite like this. Um it, it's a it's a Christmas classic, I suppose, and it's sort of about the build-up. Um and then we move into a sort of a We Three Kings of Orientar when Frisky starts talking about, you know, <laughs> they're full of love. And um, I have to say, Mary, we were Googling the lyrics before we started recording and they're pretty dark. Well, um, <laughs> I don't know, actually, which is uh, darker, just getting more and more like escalatingly weird presents every day. <laughs> <laughs> mainly related to like bird life um yeah uh to me it's just like the christmas song to me um 12 days of christmas is just like the christmas song equivalent of like a woman who swallowed a fly or something like that it's just like growing chaos so yeah it is the perfect fit <laughs> for the start of this episode <laughs> um a bit da- i was just reflecting when you said that it was like 
how would I feel if someone shipped me birds every day for 12 days? Not good. But then I was also imagining that, you know, probably when I was younger, I would be like, oh, yeah, five, five gold true, rings. True, true. Yeah. Terrific. Now, now I'm all about the pear tree. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, pear tree. <laughs> Get that in my garden. Um, anyway, so We Three Kings um, was also known as The Quest of the Magi. And it's a Christmas carol that was written by John Henry Hopkins Jr. in 1857. Now, John Henry Hopkins Jr. started out as a journalist um, and then he became sort of through various things the, the rector of the Christ Episcopal Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Apparently he mm-hmm. wrote the carol for a, a Christmas pageant in New York and then from that there have been loads and loads of versions, obviously. Um, but, yes, the reason I thought it was a bit dark was because it talks about myrrh, which um, you were explaining to me just now um, about how it's used as the, an embalming oil. So there are those shades of um, uh, the spoiler oil, <laughs> the, he, he dies. Oh, poor um, baby the, Jesus. <laughs> the death of Jesus before he rises again from the tomb and that's reflected in the lyrics of the song. Yeah, well, like I guess, you know, this carol is pretty um, pretty like old school definitional putting Christ back in Christmas, which, um, yeah, the, if you're going to go down that route, there's, there's definitely a lot to unpack. Um, you know, deep dive your Bible, I guess. Um, you know, everything has layers upon layers of meaning and everything's, you know, reflected in the prophecy or foretelling things to come or it's almost like a bluey episode. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's probably the best description of the Bible I could come up with. Um, but, yeah, all all the gifts that get sung about that are part of that uh, Three Kings Christmas tradition um yeah relate to the the Christ journey that it's the gold because he's a king and it's the frankincense because he's a priest and then the myrrh because he will die and rise again um but yeah I just love this carol though Kate um I think we've talked about last year how I'm a bit of a sucker for a Jesus carol um and away in a manger is gets me sort of right in the the cry spot but in we three kings it's that moment and i think it's in this they they use it in this episode where it kind of lifts into the chorus and it's oh uh which i don't think i hit a single note there but it's into the star of wonder and it is just just transcendent it's so beautiful it's everything i want in it Christmas Carol, I reckon. I do. And, and the pinnacle of the music is that sort of that phrase, which I guess would marry up to guide us to thy perfect light, which I think is a beautiful analogy for Christmas because, you know, it is um, it's perfectly imperfect. And I think um, that's what's sort of captured with all the craziness. Trix's face when she sits down at the head of the table and it's uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and the music is sort of going star with royal beauty bright, you know, and and it, it is that quest, I guess, for that perfect moment. But, yeah, the perfect is actually all around. Merry Christmas, everyone. And I guess to get to that moment in this episode, there is a lot of love and even forgiveness needed like Bartleby's rocking a broken arm (laughs) um and to then you know kind of make peace with the people around you and say yeah well you know this this is perfect (laughs) for us and or we can call this perfect um and set aside the imperfect I think is probably um you know it's probably for me a big part of the Christmas message as well yeah, Mary, you you couldn't have said it better. I think um, this year more than any others, I am so, so grateful that I'll be able to spend time with my family, um, you know, and despite whatever crazy, you know, and, and you're right, there, there is always that sort of that level of, oh, I've got to go get your presents and, oh, I've got to make salads and, oh, I've got to do all this stuff. 
but this year I think um, the ability to spend it with people who I really love and definitely have not seen enough of this year will override any of those feelings of, uh, um, yeah, I am Bartleby giving the thumbs up. And here's to Bartleby. Yeah, Bartleby! Welcome to the family, mate. Dad. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to going away with you, like on Boxing Day, so oh. we can have a few um, aperols and debrief if necessary. <laughs> <laughs> that, the Christmas debrief, buddy, so important. And that could be the sequel episode to this episode almost, like the debrief <laughs> episode. I want to see that, just chilly and maybe frisky catching up afterwards to compare notes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to see the Boxing Day episode because Boxing Day to me is the far superior cousin of Christmas. You know, there's great leftovers. Everyone's relaxed because the pressure of Christmas is done. I think this has got material in it for a future episode. Yeah, And actually that might be starting to ring some bells for listeners, Kate, because we did talk about – the fact that uh, in this season two there seemed to be one missing episode, um, I think it was only last week or the week before, um, we were speculating perhaps it could be a Christmas double episode that rounds out the full 52 episodes of season two. Um, obviously that hasn't happened um, and, yeah, it's not going to be a Boxing Day episode either, Kate, but what it is we've heard is an Easter episode. I know, and because you've been texting with Joe. <laughs> well, emailing, <laughs> it was very formal. <laughs> but yes, the Easter episode is coming. Um, that's a whole new Bluey episode that and we don't have to wait for season three for it, which um who knows when that's coming because work is barely even started on it um but yeah look I'll take that one one new bluey episode locked in for the new year um that's a pretty good Christmas present right <laughs> you heard it here first folks Christmas then Easter so you know given the timeline of Woolies and Coles when they release their Easter merchandise in stores <gasps> I'm expecting this on December 26th perhaps as soon as we see <laughs> hot cross buns on the shelves we should just start you know yeah. sending them to the ABC offices and you know yeah. maybe just with some uh, strongly worded encouragement uh hinting that we'd like to see the bluey easter episode sooner rather than later (laughs) i will be petitioning the gates of whoever i need to be petitioning to make this happen I think we have recapped <laughs> this episode. This is also our final Gotta Be Done episode for the year. Um, happy Christmas. <laughs> happy Christmas. And, um, Mary, I really do want to just say not only do I absolutely love, or as always, talking with you about, you know, one of the best TV shows, but I really want to thank all the um, people who've been listening to us because – it never ceases to amaze me that people actually <laughs> listen to us. And every now and then, like, a friend will, like, will be con- having a conversation with something else and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you said Aww. that on the podcast. And I'm like, you listen? Thank you, really? friends. Thanks, friends. But I was noticing on our numbers that we've we've hit well and truly exceeded 300,000 downloads now, which, you know, given we were jumping up and down, we had about 30 downloads. <laughs> like, yeah. And this is our 99th episode as well. Can you believe that? And I reckon this year has just been astronomical for people getting in touch as well, which has been so lovely. So many theories coming in, real life bluey moments that uh, people have just been so generous and special to share. And just the love of bluey. I think that's what's, you know, so special because, the team at Ludo have created something that's really touched the hearts of so many people. It's compelled them to want to find out more and, um, yeah, uh, and it's cha- It's definitely changed the way I parent. Oh, and, same. You know, I'm sure Will's childhood will be remembering all the games that he learned by <laughs> a boy. So, yeah. I'm sure he'll attribute some of them to you, Kate. He knows it's not all bluey. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's plenty of mum genius in there. That's okay. I'm fine with that. Um, But, yeah, thank you very much. What I'm trying to get to is thank you so much for listening to us and supporting us throughout um, a very big year for Got To Be Done. It's it's been very special. We're very honoured. Thanks. Yeah, and we should say as well thank you so much to the Ludo team who not only – gives us this amazing show to talk incessantly about but also um helps us out behind the scenes we got to chat to melanie zanetti this year which was incredible um the team at abc as well for yeah supporting us and um even maybe sneaking us a few episodes to watch early and to joe and to joff who've always um and costa and beth who have always helped us when we've had questions um (laughs) we really are like they're sort of adopted toddlers right (laughs) (laughs) so many questions Uh, thank you also to Ari Danaher Flavel, who's done our music almost all of this year and just did an amazing job. Um, also, JF Tranquil, who did our original art for the podcast. Um, and I still love being one of those uh, dogs in the Blueyverse. Um, and um, also, I guess, our family's Kate. <laughs> Um, who are still happily watching Bluey with us and it's, um, yeah, we love you for it, guys. Yeah, and Mary, <laughs> I have to say thank you to you because um, I love talking about Bluey but I love talking to you even more and you do so much for the show so thank you. Oh, um, thank you, Kate, and you are so welcome. I love that Got to Be Done started on my mat leave and is now – Eating up your math. <laughs> Long may our adorable babies uh, make it possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God, Joe's like eight months now. Nearly. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah. First Christmas. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be pretty epic. So hooray! I'm I'm actually rewrapping. Um, everything I've got in storage in the shed for him. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so, good approach. But- all the all the crap plastic noisy toys that have been like languishing in a in a box for the last three years, they're gonna get wrapped up in a bit of paper oh. and that'll be Christmas done for him. So genius. Poor neglected third child. Um but he's, he's what a life hack to go out on. Well done, yeah, he's Kate. Been a nice <laughs> this year. Yeah, no complaints from me. Twenty twenty. Oh look, it could have been worse. We will talk to everyone next year thank you for listening wherever you are have a lovely christmas um whoever you're gathering with whether it's the first time or the millionth um in the meantime it's it's gotta be done gotta be done <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> hi boss will be is not <laughs> 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 <laughs>